All right then. So we're going to carry on. Uh, so, uh, but I, I, then I had children. And now I'm just cranky and tired all the time. So thank you, Isaac. Yeah. I'm a retreat person? Yeah. Just to uh, want to be quiet all the time. Yeah. Uh, in this passage to the Romans, Paul is talking about the need for us to wake up. Uh, in, in, ancient, uh, in, in the ancient uh, Greece, philosophers used to look at sleep as a very negative thing. It was an unproductive thing. And uh, I think Paul could be looped in with that. Now we know that sleep is actually very beneficial. It helps us regenerate. It helps us think more clearly. We need it. And it's a very, a very good thing. However, um, back then it was not a good thing. And so nighttime and sleep become a metaphor for something else, something dark and sinister, something very selfish and sinful. And so that's where Paul is saying, he said, let's put aside this weakness, this laziness, this laxness, and let's actually buckle down and do what Jesus has called us to do. So we're going to be taking a look at this today as we begin this season of Advent, this season of expectation for what is to come. We are going to see about, about this. Do we have any, many, uh, any house owners here? Yeah? Good. You poor, poor people. <laughs> Not you, hey, too. Uh, few, within the last few weeks, we've probably done a number of things in anticipation for the coming winter. Right? Well, we put the snowblower out of the storage and we start it up, hopefully. See if it works. Yes? We've, we... I put my motorcycle away in your garage. Thank you very much. You put the boat away. Right. Above, above my motorcycle. Please pray for my motorcycle that the ropes will last. Uh, but we, we uh, put the lawn furniture away. We get ready. We get things ready to prepare our gardens and everything for winter. We do all of this preparation work when it's still relatively nice out. Yes? Because we would not want to be doing this work in a blizzard or when it's like negative 30. We do it in anticipation. So Paul in verse 11 says, And do this understanding the present time. And the question we all need to ask is, do what? The lectionary has been helpful again in lopping off the first part of the argument. But what Paul has done here is he's quoted Leviticus 19.18, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. We've never heard that before, right? The golden rule. We are to be actively loving our neighbor as ourself in preparation for the dawn, the day of the Lord, the return of our King Jesus. We, this is how we actively wait. I used to think of waiting as just sitting around waiting, just twiddling my thumbs. But Christian waiting is actually anticipating. It's busy doing what Jesus is going to do even now. So we are to love our neighbor as ourself. So in, in preparation for this, it says it in the gospel, we, as Paul is saying it here too, we need to wake up. We need to be ready for the return of Jesus. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So the first part of this is we are to anticipate Jesus' arrival through acts of loving care for our neighbor. Then Paul moves on to more of a, of a negative thing. He says we are to a command to put aside the deeds of darkness. Have you 
ever heard the expression, tonight we're going to paint the town red. Have you ever heard that expression? Do you know what it means? Not really? It's just something you say, right? Uh, I, I googled it because I was like, hey, what does that mean? Uh, most people think that you're going to engage in such behavior that it will end in bloodshed. Yeah, so you're going to be so riotous and such, so out of control that someone's going to get hurt. We're going to have a great time. That's an Irish thing, I think. <laughs> um, but apparently, um, it's, it's, there's, there's a deeper meaning to that. There is a, a Marquise or Marquise? Marquis. Yeah, but they'd be wrong because it's a French word. Yeah. So it's Marquis. Uh, in England, who was known for being, well, wild. They called him the mad Marquis. Marquis. Blech. Anyway, he actually got so drunk one night, and he was partying so hard that he literally went out and started painting all the buildings red. And now the town, for the tourist in- industry there, they say, yes, this is where that expression actually began. And, you know, you never would paint a building red. Scandalous. But basically, the nighttime is, is the time that you get to engage in things that you'd be ashamed to do in the daytime. You wouldn't want people actually seeing you doing. So Paul here is saying it's not enough for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to stop being part of the problem. We need to start being part of solution. So refrain from contributing to that which is harming us in our human community. We got to stop putting ourselves in the center and living for pleasure, living for whatever feels good at the time. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness or sexual immorality. I love it when people misread that in church and they say sexual immortality. (laughs) Something to aspire to. But we are to be clothed with the armor of light. Um, and we are to, to, uh, to live in such a way that, that promotes community. What's the problem with wild parties that condemn any self-restraint? In, in the Greek, it's actually orgies, like going and just doing what you want with whoever you want. What's the problem with that? In fact, Paul in another letter says... Well, the stomach for food and food for the stomach. So, you know, we were built to be sexual beings. So what's the problem with this? The problem is that it's so focused on self that we are to use our bodies to actually benefit and love others. The problem with these parties of no self-restraint is that it's all about me and the pleasure I get, the conquest I get out of it. It is a selfish act. That's the problem. Same thing with drunkenness. I had a friend who uh, hated it when we were out, uh, when we were in high school. He hated it when we were out and people were drunk. Hated it. I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, I didn't like it either, but I'm like, why are you so angry about it? He goes, because that person is absolutely useless for anybody else. And, and, and very likely we're going to have to call 911 for that, that, that person over there for their behavior. It's completely selfish. Wild parties, drunkenness, a sleeping around... Um, all this stuff is all focused on self. And, and I, I'm sorry, as Anglicans, we, we tend to put sexual sin on a, on a higher level than other types of sin, and we focused on it to the exclusion of other things. But Paul ends this list of things we're supposed to be done with, with, you ready for it? Bickering. 
and jealousy. We, that, we don't even raise our eyebrows at that. That's just being human, right? It's much better than those other sins that we were just talking about. No, all of these things inhibit community. All of these things focus on me, me, me. And the radical thing about the gospel is to abandon me. Think of the ink that is being spilt right now on my personal identity, what I identify with. It's me, me, me. Instead of how can I honor my neighbor? How can I bless my neighbor? How can I love other people the way Jesus loves them? Instead of being filled with that, it's about my rights, my freedoms, and what I get to do. The gospel is very much counter to that whole movement in our culture. All these things, this self-focus, it inhibits the kind of community that Jesus wants us to have and care for our neighbor. I, uh, I skipped a part that I wanted to share with you. So I'm going back up for a second. Uh, this week, our, our school here, Nashwalkis Memorial School, was supposed to be doing a fundraiser uh, for their school. And uh, the parent association, they didn't have enough parents to volunteer. So they were going to cancel the fundraiser. And so, was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night, Kimberly was at a meeting with the parents there, the parents association. And they said, well, we just don't have any volunteers. We can't do this fundraiser for the school. So Kimberly said, well, yes, we can. And she texted me and she said, do you think people from St. John's would volunteer at this event? And I said, throw it up on Facebook and see what happens. And within an hour, we had enough volunteers. So thank you. Because we were able to be a huge blessing to that school. I wanted to read to you... I wanted to read to you what they actually said. Kimberly, could you please pass along our humble gratitude to Paul and all the church volunteers that were, went, were beyond helpful and even offered to help us if we did another one? That must have been Ruth who said that. <laughs> was, it, was it Mina? Um, and then on our Facebook page, it says, On behalf of our Home and School Association, I cannot thank you all enough for your continued support of our school. And I'm at my limit technologically, so I can't do any more. Uh, however, I, did, I was serving food next to the principal, and he said, uh, Paul, it's, it's amazing. We don't feel like we're in this alone but your church has been so helpful and supporting to us. Thank you so much, because they really need that money. And thank you for, like, the continue. And he goes, I know that you pray for us, too. And he's Anglican, so he has to say things like that. <laughs> but there is a very practical example of readiness to serve. That was last minute. The, the breakfast was yesterday. I, oh, I think, would you say 300 people showed up? It was crazy. It was wonderful. And, uh, and I, I think that the, the wise men could show us a thing or two about organization. They were like a well-oiled machine. But thank you that we were able to express the love of Jesus like that. Like that. It was wonderful. Wonderful. So we are called to be ready to do that kind of thing, but we are also called to refrain from being part of the problem. The last part of this passage Paul says, instead of engaging in things that satisfy the flesh only, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about 
how to gratify your flesh. So years ago, I was the assistant curate at a church in Grand Bay Westfield. They were a recently amalgamated church, and on the vestry, there was a lot of hurt people. And what do hurt people do? They hurt people. I hated vestry. (laughs) It was awful. But my warden, Liz, was a cop. (laughs) And some days, at vestry meetings, she had her shift start right after, so she would show up in uniform. St. John police officer sitting at the table with a gun. (laughs) Right? So she's sitting there at the table, and every time she wore her uniform to vestry, the tone of the conversation was so much more peaceful and respectful. And one day after vestry, I said, Liz, I love it when you bring a gun to the table. (laughs) And she laughed, and she said, it's not the gun, it's the uniform. And I said, what? And she goes... She goes, if people are more respectful and more cautious around a police officer. And she goes, it's not just people treat, act, act differently around the, the officer, but I, I act differently. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I'm no longer just Liz. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a keeper of the peace. I have a role to play in the community. I stand a bit taller. I'm ready to serve. And I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people, when they, when they read this and they think, well, how do, you, how do you clothe yourself with Christ? For some of us, it's at the beginning of the day. You say, Lord Jesus, reign in my thinking. Put a guard on my tongue. You know, use me today to bring hope, blessing to those I encounter. Some people pray something similar to that and they read a passage from the gospel so they can learn the teachings of Jesus, see the example of Jesus, and actually try to live like Jesus. They put him on. And when that is my intent, when that is our intent, that's our focus, that's where we're pouring our energy, there's not as much time to think, how can I distract myself today? How can I, you know, just feel good today and forget the world today? Because we're actually seeking to live for Jesus. We are Christians. That means little Christs. And we're called to be engaging this world in his way. Loving as he loves. Showing compassion. Being truthful. Being agents of healing in this broken world. So I want to encourage us. Again, I'm going to refer back to the bishop's church. I want to encourage us all to secure that time to be still with Jesus, to be drawn into the mystery of Christ so that he may fill us, direct us, and live through us so that the kingdom of God, the reign of Jesus, will be extended in us and through us. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have called us to be authentically, fully, truly human. Creatures in relationship with their creator. People engaged in the ministry of reconciliation in a divided world. So please teach us to clothe ourselves with you, to be so covered by you that your reign would be extended through us. Be glorified in your church and please heal our community. We ask this in your name, Jesus.
Amen.